Merry Christmas. Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. We're concluding our series today called A Simple Christmas. We want to take this emotionally complicated and challenging season and strip it down to something simple. Today we're going to talk about peace, something that we are in serious need of this year. Today we will be reminded that when circumstances challenge our resolve, there is hope for the future, and we can believe for peace on earth. Let's get started today. Here's Pastor Nicole. On the first day of December in 1863, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow dined alone at his kitchen table when he got a telegram that arrived to tell him that his son, a soldier in the Civil War, was severely wounded. Charlie had been shot in the left shoulder and the bullet traveled across his back and nicked his spine. An inch in either direction and he would have been permanently paralyzed. Only two short years before, Longfellow's wife had died tragically in a fire. And so here sat Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. He was 57, widowed, fathering six children, and his son was nearly paralyzed in a war that his country was fighting against itself. On Christmas Day, Longfellow heard Christmas bells ringing and people singing peace on earth, but all he observed around him was a world of injustice and violence that seemed to mock the truthfulness of this overly optimistic outlook. And so Longfellow sat down to put pen to paper, seeking to capture the dissonance in his own heart about how the world around him was and how it ought to be. And he penned these words, and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. In the poem, he paints a picture of how the world felt hopeless and bleak. But in the final refrain, it's as if Longfellow has this breakthrough moment. And he reminds himself that when the reality is dark and cold, that the truth still remains. Then rang the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. In the midst of bleak despair, we can have confident hope that God is alive, that the God of heaven sits enthroned above any act or circumstance here on earth. And when circumstances challenge our resolve, there is hope for the future. Hope is what Christmas is all about. Hope is what was born to a virgin and hope is what took on flesh. Hope that reigns and rules forever. It may feel like this poem turned into song is reading the headlines of this year, but we can be reminded this Christmas that the true hope we find in the coming of Jesus is greater than any darkness. That in the midst of trouble, there's always joy to be found in the Savior. Because the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you and he is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests.
God is not dead, nor does he sleep. When circumstances challenge our resolve, there is hope for the future. Hope is what Christmas is all about. And we can believe for peace on earth and goodwill to men. Can you give thanks to God today just for that remarkable promise? Well, Merry Christmas. I am so glad that you're here today. I'm so glad if you're tuning in online. Thank you for celebrating with us so far. My name is Pastor Nicole Schreiber, and I'm the lead pastor here at Erie First. And at my house, uh, Christmas is extra special. I have three daughters. Actually, I have a picture to show you of them today. Here they are in their Christmas sweaters. And uh, we are excited. We're, we're wrapped. We're ready to go. Um, as we begin to launch into the Christmas season tomorrow. Um, a few years ago, I overheard uh, the smallest two daughters of mine having a debate. Um, they were singing their favorite Christmas carol, Silent Night, and my youngest daughter um, sang sweetly, Silent Night, Holy Night, all is calm, all is bright, sleep in heavenly beans. <laughs> sleep in heavenly beans. And my other daughter said, that is not right. You, that is not the words. And she said, it's sleep in heavenly peas. <laughs> it's not beans, it's peas. And I didn't even correct them because it was such a beautiful and precious moment. So would you look at someone near you today and just give them a COVID socially distance wave, tell them you're glad that you're here and that they can sleep in beans or peas or whatever they choose. All right. Well, have you ever missed a great opportunity? Have you ever missed a great opportunity? Something you look back on and you wish that you could have done differently. Well, I read about a small town along the East Coast that was a resort area, and they were having incredible financial problems. And so they pulled together a town meeting with some, they, they thought, we'll come up with some strategies to salvage our hometown. And the story goes that a visitor to the area came to the town meeting, and no one knew who he was. Um, so when he began to offer commentary or offer solutions, they interrupted him. They didn't consider his thoughts. They said, well, you don't even live here. And so he was very frustrated, and he left, kind of stormed out, left the town meeting early. And as he went out, someone who was arriving late crossed his path and came running into the meeting excitedly saying, is he going to help us? Did he come so he could help us? Did he, did he save the day? Does he know a plan? And the town people looked confused. And frankly, they were like, we kicked him out because he thought he knew a thing or two. And the person who just arrived, who had passed him going out, says, don't you know who that was? It was John D. Rockefeller. Now, if you don't know who that is, Rockefeller lived in the 1900s. He owned an oil refinery and he is actually still considered the wealthiest American of all time. He probably had enough money in his pocket to turn that town completely around. But they refused to listen to him. The small town missed an incredible opportunity because they didn't know who he was. They didn't know who was among them. They weren't paying attention to who was in the room. Now, as I read that story, it made me think of in the scripture, it records something similar, that many people missed the miracle of Christmas. 
that they weren't paying attention. They didn't know or understand who was with them. This baby that came in the manger was God in the flesh. But lots of people in the story of scripture that talks about the miracle of Christmas missed it. They completely missed it. I want to read to you in Luke 2, verse 1, 6 through 7. It says, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now the innkeeper did not know who he was turning away. He missed it. Imagine the story the innkeeper could have told if only he had known who was seeking refuge. If the innkeeper knew that it was Mary, the mother of God, who was coming to the door, he probably wouldn't have turned her away. I can picture the slogan they would advertise for years to come. Stay in the number one hotel in Israel, chosen by God himself. (laughs) I mean, they missed that advertising opportunity completely. The innkeeper missed the opportunity to host the king of kings because his inn was too full with other guests. Now, when I thought about that, wow, sometimes we miss the true miracle of Christmas because our life is so full of other stuff. Maybe it's shopping or baking or hosting or wrapping or trying to figure out how you're going to do a COVID Christmas or maybe it's, it's worrying or complaining or obsessing over stuff in our life or in the news. But like the innkeeper, if we are not careful, we might miss the true miracle of Christmas because our lives are overcrowded or we're too distracted or we're too frustrated or we're too hurt or we're too offended. Whatever it is, our lives and our hearts and our minds are so overcrowded that we actually might turn the miracle of Christmas away. So let's not miss the message of Christmas this year. Jesus is always trying to get our attention. He loves us so much that he wants us to look past all the hurry, all the pain, all the confusion, and see his deep and unending love for us. You know, I think for some of us, uh, God might need a two by four to get our attention. It's just a good old whack up off side of the head. I won't make you admit it this morning if that's you. But I think that might be all of us in one way or another when God is so desperately trying to get our attention and we're just not following, we're just not seeing, we're just not understanding. And as I read the Christmas story, there were lots of ways that God tried to get the attention of the people in Bethlehem. And as I live my own life, I see how God intentionally tries to get my attention And he does it for you too. But oftentimes we miss it. And I know that God is doing that for each of us. And so I want to look today for just a few moments at some of those ways that God tried to get the attention of the people to tell them about Christ coming. Okay? So here's the first way. On December 21st, 2020, so actually just a few days ago, the two largest planets in the solar system appeared to be fused together into a single point of light. You may have read this in the news, that Jupiter and Saturn are, 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 were actually the two planets. And now, they actually are still millions of miles away from each other. But this conjunction of the planets form this one bright light. Now, I want to show you a photo taken in Jerusalem just three days ago. 
Does that look familiar? (laughs) That actually happened just a few days ago. That was a conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter together. Now, the last time this is believed to have been witnessed was in the year 1226 in the Middle Ages. And in the year 7 BC, which is right uh, around just after the time that Jesus was born, there was also a recorded triple conjunction in the sky. There's only been 11 times this has been recorded and they have been since 7 BC, and they have come at random times and random expanses between the years. The media is calling this the Christmas star. Perhaps this is what the Magi saw in the first century. Perhaps this is what God did, what he put in the sky to get their attention. Let's read in the scripture where it talks about the star in Matthew 2. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And then in verse nine, it says, after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now here's what we know about the Magi. They were from the east Uh, generally thought to be Persia, and they probably had some knowledge of the prophetic scriptures. And so they knew, they had read in the Old Testament in Numbers 24, that a star would come and that star would signal that the king has arrived. And so the wise men knew that this was not just any star. They called it his star. They knew that it was a sign that the Messiah had come. And so they began to follow it. And the star led them from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, a distance of about eight miles. And the scripture says, the star stood still over the house that Mary and Jesus dwelled. Now remember, uh, the nativity scenes that you often see uh, today, they mix up the timeline a little bit, okay? It's kind of like a best of scenario. (laughs) They take all the best parts of the story of scripture and they kind of put it all in one scene. But what we have to know here is this account that we're reading about the star happens sometime after the night of the birth of Jesus, all right? So probably several days, some scholars even say maybe even a few months, uh, the Magi are traveling and they come upon Jesus, but not the night that Jesus was born. Another fascinating fact about this, and you may not know this, the Magi, we often think of them as kings. That's what we've depicted them uh, like over the years, and, and maybe they were. But what we know for sure is they were astronomers, So they knew a thing or two about stars. In fact, their whole life's work was to study the sky. And so this is why this is so brilliant, that I love how God decides to get their attention. He handpicks a customized approach for these magi. He says, look, I know they'll be staring in the sky. I know they'll be looking for this star. I know they'll understand that this star is special because they study the stars. And so God in his amazing wisdom and great love says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put a star in the sky. Now, we don't know all the reasons why God used a star, but we know this one reason. This, there's one reason for sure we know why God did that. We can know for sure that God sent a star to the astronomers, because the Savior that had been born and had come to earth was for them. 
that it was a savior for them to bring peace and hope and joy and love to the Magi. And so God met them right where he knew the Magi would find them. He did a miracle by sending a guiding star so the Magi could encounter the best miracle in all of history. Some people say it was a comet. Some people say it was a supernova, a conjunction of planets in the sky at night like I just showed you. Others say it was completely supernatural and maybe not even seen by an average onlooker. But whatever the exact mechanism was, the fact that the star led the Magi to Christ is evidence that the star was uniquely designed, made by God for a very special purpose. And God can use extraordinary means for extraordinary purposes to get our attention. So the star got the Magi's attention, but God had a different plan for the shepherds. The shepherds were tending their sheep and an angel appeared to them in the sky and said to them, don't be afraid, today a savior has been born to you. I wanna read it to you in Luke 2, 13. It says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I love that the shepherds needed more than just a twinkling star in the sky. God knew that. And so instead of only sending a star to the shepherds, he says, look, I'm going to send these guys a whole choir of angels, an army of angels, not just one angel, but an army of angels. I'm going to have it break through the sky so that the shepherds get their attention. And the shepherds know that when Jesus brought the angels and the shepherds together, the highest met the lowest. The highest of all things met these lowly, humble shepherds in the field, and it was all because God's son had been born. Do you know the first preacher of the gospel was an angel? The first preacher of the gospel was an angel. The first people to hear the good news was some shepherds that we don't even know their names. And this angel shared the message of Jesus and the hope of salvation to this motley crew and what I love about this moment is that God will go to great lengths to get our attention because of his deep love for us. He will even send an angel to preach the gospel if that's what it takes. He'll do whatever it takes to get our attention. In the early days of space travel, um, a Russian cosmonaut came back to Earth and he declared that he had looked for God in space and didn't see him anywhere. And Dr. Chriswell, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, gave this just incredible reply when he said, well, let him step out of his spacesuit for one second. He'll see God soon enough. <laughs> Sometimes we don't see God. Maybe that's how you feel today. We look around at things in your life. Things are unjust or unfair or painful and it's just really difficult to see God through all that. Maybe once you felt or saw God, but that feeling has gone away and you're just not sure how to get it back. Well, my favorite word in this passage starts verse 13 off. It's the word suddenly. 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 
our God is a God of suddenly. He's a God of suddenly. This word means without warning, without prior announcement. It indicates a breakthrough unexpectedly, quickly, instantaneously. It's this promise that maybe you've been dealing with something for a really long time and you've given up hope that it's ever going to change or you feel like you're stuck in the same old situation and God says, listen, I can suddenly change it all. I can suddenly bring healing. I can suddenly bring hope. I can suddenly change COVID-19. <laughs> I can do it. I can suddenly do it. God is the God of suddenlies. The shepherds weren't staring at the sky in expectation for angels to come through, but God suddenly sent them, and it all changed. All bets are off when the God of suddenlies is part of your life. And so the angels were nowhere to be seen, and then all at once filled the sky and the scripture says, not just one angel, but a great company of angels. Just imagine this, an uncountable number, a vast array of bright, shining beings filling the night sky, praising God loudly and in tune and saying, glory to God in the highest. It was just another ordinary night for the shepherds. But then suddenly, suddenly something happened. The world around us may seem empty and we may feel entirely alone, but when we least expect it, when we've almost given up hope, when we're tired or bored or disgruntled, even in those moments, God is trying to get your attention. God is trying to get your attention this Christmas. And so listen a little closer, look a little deeper, hang on a little bit longer. It's been said the biggest breakthroughs happen right before, the biggest battles happen right before the biggest breakthroughs. The biggest battles are right before the biggest breakthroughs. So God used a star, he used the choir of angels, and he continues to use natural things and supernatural things to get our attention. But the whole goal in getting our attention is so we can turn it to the one who deserves it all. Isaiah 9.6 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace because he is the only reason that we can truly live peacefully with God. And the peace that Jesus brought to the earth was the peace between God and man. He is the only one who could and the only one who would. He is motivated by this great, unexplainable love for us. And he is the prince of that peace. It doesn't get any better. The peace that he offers, no one can top. He's the prince of that peace. Colossians 1.20 says that Jesus has made peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so by dying for the sins of man, Christ has reconciled the source of conflict between God and man. That just means as, as a sinner, I was an enemy of God. I rebelled against God. I broke his commands and my sins kept me far from him. But when Jesus died on the cross, he purchased for me an eternal peace with God, a peace that nothing can shake, a peace that no one can take away. And he did that for you too. And all you need to do is to repent of your sin 
and ask Jesus to be your savior. Ask Jesus to be your prince of peace. I want to encourage you before this week gets going, before you go to all the holiday parties and start thinking about all the millions of things you have to do to make Christmas just right, to consider this really important decision to make Jesus the Prince of Peace in your life. I'm gonna be standing over here at the prayer table at the end of service today. If you just have any questions about that at all, or you want me to pray for you, I would love to do that for you today. There's no better season than Christmas to come into relationship with Jesus or to evaluate your relationship with Jesus because only in Jesus we find peace on earth. The peace of God reigning in our hearts and over our lives, no matter what's happening around us. Apart from the grace of God, we have no peace, no hope, no joy, and no reason to celebrate Christmas. But in Jesus, our fears of death are removed and replaced with the gift of eternal life. And the peace of God can reign in our lives, no matter what is happening around us. We started today talking about missed opportunities. I think one of the main reasons we miss opportunities is when we don't expect them. When, we, when Jesus arrived at the manger in Bethlehem that silent night, people missed the miracle, but I think they missed it because they didn't expect Jesus to come that way. They didn't expect him to come in a stable. They didn't expect him to come in a, in a small city. They didn't expect him to come to a, to a family of people that no one knew. They didn't expect him, and so they missed it. And today, just as we, as we close this service, I want to just encourage you to take great caution, to pay attention, because God is trying to get your attention so that you don't miss the miracle this year. Make room for him. Make room for an unexpected king.
Would you stand up and worship with us? that you are giving us is that you love us so much that you sent your son to a manger who would one day go to a cross, die on that cross for our sin, and then rise again in three days in triumph and victory so that we can have eternal peace with you. God, thank you for that gospel message. Thank you for sending an angel to preach it in a field to some shepherds. And I pray that that would sink deep in our hearts tonight. And it could be always on our lips to each other and to the world. God, we trust you. We love you. We thank you for who you are. We don't want to miss the miracle this Christmas. It's in your strong and amazing name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. 
You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eeriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.